0: What
1: the hell's the name of this thing? The Ballsy Podcast.
0: Hosted by the award-winning Evan Grant.
1: Before I come across the table and rip Barry's throat out. Kevin Sherrington. I'm going to say to you what you said to me a while ago. Shut up. Barry Horn. I'm going to bring milk and cookies next week. Get ready for the most listened to sports podcast in Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm Evan Grant, and this is Ballsy.
2: I'm Kevin Sherrington, and in this episode, we'll be talking about the Rangers.
0: And I'm Barry Horn. To hear our other exciting additions, simply subscribe to the Ballsy
1: Podcast on iTunes. You know we're on Facebook and Twitter too. Just search Ballsy Podcast.
2: That's Ballsy with a Z.
1: So sit back, relax,
0: that's relax with an X, and enjoy another edition of the Rangers Ballsy with a Z
2: Podcast. Hello everybody and welcome in to another fascinating podcast. I'm Kevin Sherrington.
0: What is everybody with the deep voice? Evan with the really ghost of deep voice. Now you have the deep voice. But I have a deep voice. Kevin's I'm a, a like natural
2: you. baritone. Yeah, that's me. What are you? I'm a Barry. A, oh, a, a baritone. There
1: we go. A baritone. <laughs> a baritone. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: And then here we have, and are joining us besides Barry Horn is. I want, our, I, I want you. I want you to say what Evan told you to say. Our Rangers Pooh Bah.
0: Is that what he said? How to introduce Evan Grant. him? I said I think I might
1: have to go poo. Oh, no my no you
0: you want to be known as the Pooh-bah.
1: Pooh-bah. Hey uh very quickly here before we get started uh it's time to wish a happy birthday today. Who? To maybe this might be the best birthday day in baseball. Really? Yeah. You know who's who shares a birthday today? Who? Jackie Robinson. Wow. And Barry? Uh I don't know. I don't have a uh, a screen Barry, for me. I don't know. Dallas's Ernie Banks. Ernie, Ernie Banks. That's his big day. That is a big day, isn't it? Yeah. Very
2: big. Very big. Ernie Banks, the greatest athlete ever to come out of Dallas.
0: Unquestionably. Yeah. I, I have to agree with you. Yeah.
2: The, the most ignored, one of the most
0: ignored as well. A very
2: sad story. You know, I, I, I kind of made that. I tried to champion that whole thing while he was still alive, that the, that the city would do something for him, Yeah. dedicate a statue, bring it back, Ernie Banks Day. And just never happened. You
0: know, I, sp- I spoke to Ernie several, Actually, times, I, several times about this, and um, he he resented it. Yeah, I think so.
2: Never. One uh,
1: one other birthday that I should mention. He's <laughs> amusing himself. Today. One other uh, baseball birthday that I should mention today: John Hart, Nolan Ryan. Nolan, <laughs> that's, that's amazing. Yeah, that's a trilogy, and. Uh, I believe Henry Aaron is February second, so it's a pretty good week for ba- baseball birthdays. Man, wow. okay. February fifth. I'm sorry, Henry Aaron is February fifth. Wow! So that's that's a pretty good stretch of days right there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Nolan Ryan, Ernie Banks and Jackie Robinson all on the same day. Yeah. You could put the three of those guys on a statue in front of the hall of fame and it'd be pretty, you, that's
0: good. almost a Mount Rushmore.
1: Well, you know, the, the, I wrote when I wrote about the hall of fame this last week on my ballot, you know, the, the thing that was the big standing image for me was the, the statue as you walk into the gallery, which is Robinson. It's, 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 it's a sculpture of Robinson, Clemente and Gehrig, um, so you know you, you you could do worse than Robinson. Why did they pick those three? I, because I, I think it's the the installation is called courage and uh, sportsmanship, and uh. it. I mean, I th- that was the whole kind of premise of my column is that those are the three guys to me that most. Barry, oh my gosh, that most represent what the Hall of Fame really stands for. I mean, Robinson obviously broke the color barrier. Right. Gehrig was a tremendous humanitarian. Um, well, um and Clemente was you know, also play with that terrible disease, ALS. Well, uh, absolutely, yeah. but and, and Clemente, you know, died basically, was uh, the first great Latin superstar and, and died I, trying I, I, to uh, mission, yeah, right, to, to yeah. help people, to help people. So, um, and he was, you know, Clemente was from Puerto Rico, and I was there last week. Yes, you were. I was. I was Rained in Puerto up. Rico. You get to go to all the foreign countries, don't you? Uh, I did. I went to the Dominican Republic. Oh, well, and you supposed
0: got... to say it's not a foreign country.
1: Oh, that's right. It is not a foreign country. And I tried to make that point on many occasions while I was down there. But uh, I was in the Dominican earlier in the week, so that was a foreign country. Um, and I got deathly sick down there. <laughs> did you really? Yeah. yeah. I, uh, I don't know if I didn't eat. Or if I ate something wrong, but one night there I was not doing very well. And that's a scary feeling. Um, But uh, went there, and I'll be doing something on on the evolution of um, uh, the academy system and how academies are now. I've been three times since 2000, and what I've seen change is is dramatic. But the trend in baseball now is that teams are buying the land, which is difficult to do down there, um, basically to sort out who actually has claims to the Mm -hmm. land, and then building their own facilities. And the Rangers are in the process of doing that. Their facility will open a little bit behind schedule, but they hope to be open by the first of the year. How many other clubs have? I I think that uh, when I went through it with MLB yesterday, I think the Rangers will be the 15th club to actually own. So, so yeah, half of baseball now owns their own facilities down there, which is pretty amazing. All
0: all in Dominican?
1: all the every team has an academy in the dominican and you 've had again as the political situation in Venezuela has deteriorated over the last few years. teams still have scouts and they still um they still scout down there, but they don 't have the same presence Some teams had the Astros at one point in time had an academy in Venezuela um teams don 't have academies down in Venezuela anymore Not so good. all their latin American kids they sign them they they immediately go to to the dominican that 's their their first step. Um, and it's it's a really fascinating process, and 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 it, it's I, I hope to be able to kind of illustrate this a little bit in the story that I'll do. But how far the Rangers have come in the in the <laughs> 18 years that I've gone down there. At one point in time, their players were playing on a field that a farmer basically had hacked out of sugarcane in his backyard, and living in a makeshift dorm. Their own kind stadium. of field of dreams. Yeah, and and. Now they are going to go into what amounts to a state of the art facility. Went and visited one of the other facilities that's that's recently opened that was the template for theirs and it, the Colorado Rockies facility, and it's it's gorgeous. It's it's stood up well for five years now, and it it really functions well as a great first step for kids. You know, and these are kids that don't have a whole lot of organized baseball background, and, and that, they and don't that's what have I'm... high school baseball backgrounds. Yeah. They're coming in at sixteen and seventeen, and this is really their first kind of. And and that's
2: what I want to ask you about, because, uh, you know, one of the things you see in a lot of this, um, a lot of these players down here, down there uh, and anywhere in South America, not a lot of really great baseball structure, you know, and the things that they do. And, and, uh, you know, love Elvis, love him. Great guy. But the thing he does, where he's running, he turns back and looks over his shoulder when he's running the bases. Uh, instead of just looking for his coach and getting a sign, he, 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 you know, he's, he's his head's on a swivel while he's he's, he's looking at shortstop when he's running to first base. Yeah,
1: some of those things you're never you're never gonna. <laughs> but I think if a kid quote unquote ra- correct, but, but if I- a
2: kid's raised that, well, my
1: point is, if a kid's
2: raised in an environment where this is what we do and this right. is how we play. Then you then you get that out of them early on you know and then it's then it's obviously less of, a, of an issue when they get to be in their 20s you're not having to correct a lot of things you're just you're just building on what you've been built on a right. G-
0: getting back to the Dominican for a minute what's the reason so many players come out of the Dominican as opposed to some of the other you know, you know Caribbean they country? like
2: baseball
1: but it's a it's it's a it's a great way off the island i mean it's you know the dominican is not a very it's 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 one of the poorer countries in latin america um there is a long history of baseball there uh and and it's operated because there is no international draft and we may be moving towards an international draft and because there is no real structure there for a long long time you know it was a way for but for teams to go and Get cheap talent. I mean, it's going to sound exploitive and in a lot of ways, it was. But then you yeah. also go back and you see that that guys who go into who are talented enough and get into major league baseball organizations, even if they don't reach the big leagues, in a lot of ways, they they bring home much more money than they would have if sure. they were if, if they were left to try and, and, and carve out a living there. Um, but there are other poor countries in, in uh, Latin America. Too. There are, but but baseball's always had a strong presence there, yeah. and. Um, uh, it, it's just evolved as, as that country's national pastime. You know, it, it, it and volleyball and basketball are, are three are the three big sports in the Dominican and so Not along soccer. with soccer. Okay. Uh, same thing in Puerto Rico. And what we've seen in Puerto Rico is, um, you know, it used to be that was a place that, that, that teams like the Rangers went before it was under the auspices of the amateur draft, and they got talent. They got uh, Ruben Sierra and Juan Gonzalez and Pudge Rodriguez all for very cheap amounts of money. Pretty and, good threesome. Yeah, it's yeah. A great threesome. Um, and now.
2: How, how, how long a period of time was that? How how far was Ruben ahead of those two?
1: Ruben was. Uh, I think Ruben signed in 82. And, oh, was he that far ahead of that? Yeah, I think he was a couple of years, four or five years ahead. I thought it was only two or three. Let me. Um, but, that's a, that's but, a pretty well While
0: you're looking run. that up, but there was another player when. Um, Rodriguez and Gonzalez signed, there was a third player from the Dominican who was part of, part of that group, and that was Sammy
1: Sosa. Yes, that's right. <laughs> he was pretty good. Sierra graduated from high school in 83, and the Rangers signed him. Um, that, they had signed him that November. Okay. Yeah.
2: Yeah, that was an amazing thing. It was back when Sandy Johnson was the head of the, uh, uh, the farm system or scouting, right. uh, head of scouting. And, um, and, 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 you know, he never had another group of players like that. No, but uh, but uh, here's the thing: How many times did you get a group of players? like They also that?
1: had in, from that group of Puerto Rican kids that they signed in the eighties. They also had a very promising pitcher and Wilson Evan Alvarez, Correa. Evan, Evan Correa, Evan Correa, yeah, yeah.
0: Evan
1: Correa, Wilson Alvarez. Yeah. Um, Wilson Alvarez was not Puerto Rican. No, he I was think. not. But yeah,
2: Evan, Cur- long, I Evan Correa. had he not been hurt, right. uh, would have been terrific. And Jose Guzman came out of the Absolutely. out of
1: Puerto Rico as well. But now Puerto Rico is under under the draft, and I think we've seen um, that. Uh, uh, you don't see you, we are seeing something of a renaissance of Puerto Rican players Francisco Lindor Carlos Correa uh, there are some great young Puerto Rican superstars in the game but there was a long period of time where Puerto Rico where because it now was under the, the, the auspices of the draft and you were having to to pay legitimate bonus money the teams just went to the Dominican and felt they could get talent cheaper you really? know and we just did a college podcast talking about players as commodities And that's basically what what players have been in the Dominican for a long time. And uh, there's there's part of you when you're down there that does feel, you know, this is very expletive. And there's part of you that also feels like, okay this is this is an opportunity for these guys to to make, you know, legitimate money. Yeah. So I don't think they argue about it.
2: No, and, and I and obviously, think needs to be handled the right way, and look out for all their for their rights on all of this. And, and, and I
1: the the living conditions in the in the um, in the academies have that's what we've seen over the last fifteen years. And MLB has put in some minimum standards for these academies, uh, and, and we've seen it, it it evolve into a much more. It the, the the Rockies facility that I went to, which is now five years old basically operates like a college dorm now it's a little bit more crowded than a college dorm but you only got four kids to a suite you know and they've each got closets around the room two bunk beds it's like a college dorm was basically 25 years ago
0: do you have a cost Do you know what the dollar figure the ranges are investing in in this
1: uh well i believe their original dollar figure was going to be in the six and a half to seven million dollar range and i think um, what you will find is that when you try and do a construction project in the Caribbean, that your, oh. your budgets are going to um, change a little bit. Yeah. Increase. Um, and, and I think that this will end up costing them somewhere in the 10 to $11 million range when all is said that's, and done.
0: That's not much, that's not a lot. Still a money. good investment. All,
1: it, it, listen, for the number of kids that you'll run through there, the Rangers will run 80 kids a year through there and that's their first step in baseball. $11 million a year is less than what they're $11 million in total cost to build that thing is less than what they have raised to build the uh, Mercy Street complex yeah. for, for youth kids here.
0: Now, are there going to be players coming there from other Latin American countries?
1: Well, the Venezuelan kids all come. He, he mentioned that while well ago yeah, while you were sleeping. Yeah, I did. No. I, yeah, I did. Yeah. I missed it. Yeah. You yeah. news snoozing there. Um, but Venezuelan kids, and then now, because you've got a lot of kids coming out, m- more kids coming out of Cuba, Cuba, and they establish residency somewhere, usually their first step is to the Dominican Academy.
2: So tell us about the Cuban
1: left-handed hitting center fielder uh, with two first names. Julio Pablo Martinez, really don't know much about him. He did work out down there for the Rangers. Um, and, uh, you know, he had worked out for for the Miami Marlins and for the Yankees as well. And I think, the, the, as I just kind of highlighted in last week in, in a news story, that I think the Rangers' big decision uh, here is they've got they've got a little bit over $2 million left as their kind of consolation prize for, for not landing Otani. They've still got about $2 million in international money left to spend. Right. Do they want to spend it on, on Julio Pablo Martinez who, you know, has a very nice, easy swing, um, who, uh, certainly seems to be very athletic and have all the tools. Uh, he's almost 22. Um, or do they want to try and spread it around? And, my question is, and I don't know what the Rangers saw down there in terms of, of of from their scouting ability, but my emphasis right now is this organization. They feel like they've got some pitching at the lower levels. I, I, I don't know if you've ever heard this one before, Kevin. Can never have enough pitching. No. Wow. And if there's if there's you're pitching not writing to, that down, Kevin. No. Write it down. If there's pitching to invest in right now, I still think my dollars. Um, I I think real hard. About that's an excellent point, especially
2: when you got a guy like Leotis Tavares, you know, you're waiting on is who's 19.
1: And, you know, this is what and and what the baseball operations people, I'm sure, would say is, you know, Leotis Tavares is is this team's number two prospect behind Willie Calhoun, according to Baseball America and and prospect um, pipeline. But you can't put all your eggs in one basket there either. No, absolutely not. And we all saw, you know, I was asking a couple people down there about Ruben Mateo, who I haven't seen in forever, but that was at one point in time going to be the Rangers' future. Um, And he's, you know, he's still playing in Mexico, actually. Is he really? Yeah. That is crazy. Um, But we all saw that Ruben had a promising start here in 2000, but broke his leg and was never the same player. And so you, you, you just can't put all your eggs in one basket. There's no question about that. But let
2: me ask you this cuz this is the one, we need to have on an, an entire podcast about this sometime. How about this? But about why have the range? why historically this franchise has been here for since 1972 has never really developed pitcher. And they, the, the two greatest <laughs> pitchers the Rangers have ever developed remain Kevin Brown and Kenny Rogers. Right.
1: And 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 that was at a period of time, you know, you you, you go back and uh, and, and I don't know that this current baseball operations department has done a bunch of research into the 80s and early 90s. But my operating theory is after basically what amounted to 10 years of operating on a shoestring budget, this club started to become a little bit more um, legitimate. And you, you you did a great job of drafting Kenny Rogers and, and developing him from a 37th round draft. Right, right an outfielder. Um, Kevin Brown was Kevin Brown was a, a first round pick, but a very good one. And there were there were some other good first round picks in there. Ron Darling was a sure. was a legitimate major leaguer that they ended up trading away. Walt Terrell. But um I think that at the end of the 80s, you're still playing in Arlington Stadium. That stadium still played kind of true and fair. You get into the 90s and you had some dilution of talent throughout the game with two rounds of of uh expansion drafts. Um, you had the steroid era, and you had this brand-new stadium, which clearly was played, played, offers, not, right. played not exactly like it was designed. And so I think that put a decade-long crimp in their ability to develop some pitching.
2: I would say that, too, though, and, and I really respect Sandy Johnson and, and uh, really liked him, and, and he did a great job in developing uh, some great players, but he was always about athletes. And
1: I also think Sandy Johnson was about the budget too. At that point in time, you know, we had to go out and find bargains. Yeah, and so he was always shooting. You're saying athletes, and I'm shooting, I'm saying upside too in terms yeah. of risk. We take a great athlete, we'll develop him into a great baseball player. And I've seen this with other scouting directors. You, you know, you tilt this way, you tilt this way, you tilt this way, and eventually you're gonna you're, you're gonna topple over. Yeah. Um, but I think that's a good point too. I, I you
2: know, I asked. Uh, I remember in spring training once I asked uh, uh, who who was the. I'm having a senior moment here. Who was the uh, Grady Fuson? Uh, I asked Grady Fuson uh, uh, about.
1: Uh, I, I, I do think I, I'm going to interrupt you one more time. But uh, I also do think that you, you just brought up Grady. You you know you had Ron Hopkins. Doug Melvin went through three scouting directors. As good a GM as Doug was, he went through a number of scouting directors. And I do think you also had for a good ten year period you had changes in philosophy in what a pitcher was supposed to be, what a pitcher looked like. And that's, and
2: that's what Grady said to me. Yeah. Grady said, I just feel like that this organization has never decided what they want from a pitcher. They, they don't look for a certain kind of pitcher. They just they just take whatever comes down the road. Right. And I think that, uh, you know, obviously you need to be, you know, flexible. And, uh, you know, so, sometimes you take a Kyle Hendricks and sometimes you, you take a guy who's going to be throwing gas. So, you know, you, you don't necessarily right. run one way or the other. I do feel like for, for the first time in a long time the Rangers – having an idea of what they're trying to do with their pitchers, as we talked about before last year what they started doing is, you know, getting these guys to get to command their fastball first off, and then we'll work on the secondary stuff. Right.
1: And, and that was that was the big turn of the farm system last year, was we're going to slow things down on the development side, particularly where pitchers are concerned. We're going to emphasize the fastball. And at the major league level, you've heard Jeff Bannister talking about pitching inside. You've heard Doug Brockel talking about pitching inside. Well, you can pitch inside all you want, but if you can't command the fastball inside, then yeah. it's either going to be a ball or you're going to hit the guy, guy or you're going to miss out over the plate and you're going to get yourself in trouble. So if you can command the fastball, that's the first step. And that has to be taught at the minor leagues. And I think they really did that at the lower levels last year. I think they're going to stick to that. I think, uh, But I also think this takes time. I think it does take time. And I
2: think that was one of my problems with that whole deal with Doug and um, and with Jeff Bannister. All right, we're going to have you pitch inside. and Just like you said, yeah, that sounds good. Uh, but this is not what these guys have really been doing. Guys have, you know, in baseball, because of all the body armor, guys are crowding the plate. Much more so than they used to. Much more so than they did in the old days when I was growing up. And you watch Bob Gibson and Don Drys and those guys pitch there. If you if you got that close to the plate, they'd hit you in the head.
1: And I, you know, my question would be here, and and to go a little bit deeper because we've had we've heard these guys say this, and I think this is something I'm going to follow up on with both these guys. But for a long time, Jeff was in the Pirates minor league system. You know, and they, I'm sure they did emphasize fastball command at the at the lower levels of the minor league system. And I guess he probably assumed that that was more of a of, of a emphasis here. Uh, same thing with Broke. When he was in Houston, you know, he started at Corpus and then was kind of their minor league pitching coordinator. Um, and, and I'm sure he assumed that what he was seeing in Houston was the same thing that, that was happening with the Rangers. But I think for a long period of time, the Rangers kind of, they they rushed they they rushed arms they did they traded arms
2: and that goes back a long ways back in the 80s they rushed players
1: absolutely but i i i think the other part of this is that there's you know they've gone through a 10 year cycle of where they've been a competitive club yeah. and to be and a competitive and, club
2: and to your point a much more financially sound club as well
1: correct and but to also to be a to be a competitor you constantly have to fill needs over the course of the season. Right? How do you fill that with currency? What's the number one currency? Young pitching. And so right. the Rangers have dealt off pitcher after pitcher after pitcher. Some of those guys, like Kyle Hendricks, have gone on to establish themselves. CJ uh CJ um, Edwards, uh, Carl Edwards. I'm sorry, yeah. has gone on to establish himself as a reliever. Some guys haven't yet panned out. Um, And and here's the thing about that, and and you're right, because it it doesn't – it's not like – I mean, let's remember, they traded two first-round – they traded Blake Bevan and Michael Main in 2010 for Cliff Lee and uh, Benji Molina. Right. They traded two first-round picks. That worked out pretty well. And neither one of those guys amounted to anything. No, absolutely not. And that's the
2: thing to remember is that the way baseball works, you don't have to have a lot of those guys. You get Kyle Hendricks, and you get that right, and and then he's in your – hopefully – He's in your rotation for six or seven years, right. you know, and so all you that's got... why the most
1: valuable thing you can have is young, controllable starting pitcher. Absolutely, and and, that, and that's
2: what they have to, and that's what they have to start getting right. Uh, they didn't, you know, and the last time they did that, Dylan Tate, they didn't get it right.
0: Mm.
2: No, and uh, that was the fourth pick of that draft, draft. Uh, and uh, and three picks later, Andrew Benintendi goes. Yeah. So that was. That didn't work. And now he may end up panning out with the Yankees. I don't know. Uh, but they well, certainly didn't get anything out of that.
1: He's throwing a lot harder again with the Yankees. That's yes. been, that's, been, that's, that's definitely been noted. Um, I don't think they did enough research
2: on him either before they drafted him. Because what I heard was that he was very combative about the things that they, you know, when they were suggesting things to him, he was very combative. Why wouldn't you know that about his personality? Stubborn. Before you I think he is.
1: Uh, you know, and, and here's here's the thing. <laughs> And because and, we talked about this a little bit on the NFL version earlier today is, you know, we talked about perception, right? Right. Kenny Rogers, great example. There's a guy who was stubborn. Yeah. You know, he was stubborn with how he was going to pitch and he knew what he wanted to do. But there was also a point in time where Kenny ab- just absorbed stuff like a sponge. Right. And so I, you know, was Dylan too stubborn here or was he not getting good information here? Maybe not. What's what's the deal? And. At one point in time, is stubborn an asset? What point in time is stubborn a detriment? Because, for guys, it works both ways. You know, I think Rick Helling, in a lot of ways, was also stubborn. It ended up being being the reason he got traded away, and then when he got back, being stubborn was the reason he was a 200 inning pitcher for five years. So. Yeah, I
2: think he was pretty much who he was. Yeah, I remember covering him in the Olympics and and Ron Fraser. Threw him out there against the Cubans because he said, "Because this guy was fearless."
1: Yeah, I mean that's everybody
2: else is afraid of the Cubans.
1: And and to be fearless, you've got to be a little bit stubborn. You've got to say, "You know what? I'm going to challenge you with my stuff, and if you hit it." Absolutely, I'm still going to come right back at you. All right, I want to ask you about something that I I
2: was astounded by when I saw this on Twitter and I retweeted this yesterday. Bill James was being interviewed. I yeah, I, say, saw, I saw a video
1: clip of this. Go ahead.
2: Uh, and I didn't I did not even recognize that as Bill James. I hadn't seen I guess I hadn't seen a picture of him in a long. He looks time. a
1: little le- on TV now. He looks a little less homeless. Yeah, maybe that's what it is.
2: Uh, but he was listing his top left fielders in baseball, number one, he had Marcelo Zuna. Um, number two, he had, I think number two was Ben Intendi, and then number three, a guy who doesn't play left field, <laughs> but he had Nomar Mazar. And he raved about him. And what he said about Nomar Mazar was, he goes, I love this guy. This guy, to me, of all these players, has the best chance to be the next Albert Pujols or Miguel Cabrera.
1: Two guys who hit right-handed. Yeah. yeah, and he hits left-handed. But I, 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 this is what he's saying. This guy has Stunning. a great... Great ability to hit, and I do think, as as I've talked to Rangers personnel this year, I think that you can gauge the season however you want. But I think that a what would qualify as a a really good season for them would be if Mazzara and Odor both take big steps forward. Yeah, you now, for sure. you now Odor had a had a year of regression last year. There's no big doubt about of regression. that. Mazar's first two years at the ages of 21 and 22 have both been very adequate, um, but they've been basically 750 OPSs. And this is yeah. a guy who can hit close to 300, and it's a guy who can hit more than 20 home runs and needs to hit more than 20 home runs. He just has a lot of dry spots, and a guy who you know, a guy whose OPS should be well over 800. I think he can. I think he can take that next step now. And let's remember. He's 23. He's still younger than Odor,
2: you know? See, what, what gives me comfort about uh, Mazzara from that standpoint? But I, I also,
1: I, I can't let this go. Yeah, I'll go ahead. Bill James and, and, and that group on TV, they're always going to... Go too far? Well, they're always going to... Pin their hopes on the youngest of players. Yeah. You know they're always going to project. They're like because fans. you want to be the guy who, and this is not a slam at Bill James, but we all do it. You want to be the guy who gets it right. You know who identifies the guy before he becomes a star. But if
2: I'm gonna if I'm gonna respect anybody's opinion, I'm respecting Bill James.
1: Yeah, but I, I mean, w- what Ben attendee does? Ben attendee's a great fielder. Yeah, he you is. You know, more is not a great fielder. You no, know? he's not. What uh, you know? You look the thing that. I, we'll move on to this a second. Go ahead. Uh, well, what I was going to say is that
2: uh, between Odor and and this was funny because, uh, what was it, two two years ago? Uh, maybe it was you that asked me and Eric, if you could have one of these two guys, which would, you, would you rather have Rugi or would you rather have uh, Nomar?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Who, By the way, I'm, I'm going to ask him one of these days, did he get that name? Is it because it's the opposite of Ramon? His
1: father is Ramon. Okay, that's what I figured. All right. You didn't, I was you supposed didn't to think about that, did you? No, I didn't. I was supposed to get together with his father in Dominican. It didn't end up happening. His father's uh, a high-ranking uh, officer in the Dominican Navy. Really? Yeah. How about that? I don't want to say admiral because I don't know if he's an admiral or not, but yeah. he is a high-ranking officer uh, in the Dominican good Navy. Good enough for me. Um, is that, uh, I, I took Rugi
2: because of the position. Mm-hmm. I said, you know, because second baseman was a little harder to come by than an outfielder. Uh, Eric said, mm-hmm. no more. When you watch these guys play, even even the last two years, yes, there are stretches where Nomar just, uh, he's, he's just, there's nothing here. You know, then he gets hot again. I don't think he's going to be a streak hitter, though, as he, as he progresses. He, you know, uh, when I think of streak hitters, I think of, of Nelly Cruz when he was with the Rangers. Right. He, he would have streak. But that's a wild, big swing. You know, or well, it's a compact swing in a way, but he had, remember when he had to come up with that whole thing with his, with his stance at the plate before he closed up his stance uh, to make himself able to reach pitches? Um, there, was a, there were some real problems that he had for a while. Uh, more doesn't have those problems. He just kind of goes through funk, funk sometimes. When you watch that swing and you watch that approach, it just looks very good. Uh, it, it's like he's not doing anything wrong here. No, he's, like he can he's, go the opposite way. He's got power everywhere. You he's know. got a really good approach. Um, so, so to me, that gives you confidence that he will get better. I mean, the guy's already had a hundred RBI season.
0: Who is going to bat behind him in the lineup?
1: Uh, that's a good question. You know, yeah, I, the, there's going to be some issues about their lineup because they're so left-handed, left-handed right, handed, right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, and
2: you're just you're going to have a stretch where you're going to have a couple of them bat left-handed.
1: And you know that the, uh, the wave of analytics analysts at this point in time is looking at analytics they don't spend much time on counting stats like home runs and right. and RBIs but still you drive in 100 run, 101 you've runs, had a good season you you've been productive yeah the thing about mazara to me is you know you look at the ops the first year it was 739 the second year was 745 there's room for there for it to grow significantly sure, sure batting average first year 256 253 the first two years have been remarkably consistent there is room now for him to go to the next level, and I think that's what Bill James is basically saying. Yeah, and I think anybody who's seen him looks at the stance, looks at at the swing, looks at the approach at the plate, and knows that there is a lot more that can be. done. And th- he can, can cover happen. so
2: much strike zone. Yeah. You know, it's hard to it's hard to to pitch around him. So he, I, I really do think he is going to be very good for the Rangers. I think he'd be as as Bill apparently thinks. I think he'd be, the Rangers would be much better off if he was playing left field. Uh, and they had somebody else playing. If they right had up, a right fielder. They, they right don't right have up. a right fielder. Yeah, know. that's the problem. To me, that's the problem with this team. As you look at the lineup, and this is another thing that came up. Uh, and somebody's who's who's team. Oh, Buster Oldies, uh listed his uh, top ten players at every position, and he had two Rangers. One of them was Elvis. He came in number five at shortstops, and and then the other one actually did not make the top ten. He made the uh, also in the running and that was Joey Gallo. That was it.
1: He didn't have Beltrade in his top 10 third base. He did have beltring. He did Beltran. have, Beltran. He did have third. He had right. him high. He had him really high too. I just to like that back.
2: Nine. Nine. 9. He had him at ninth. Yeah, he just barely in the And then
1: on uh, you know MLB I, I think MLB gotcha. network did a version of this where they ranked everything and they had Robinson Trinos as their 10th best catcher. Really? So yeah, yeah, I mean you can go around I I think your point is well is well made um there are some questions about a lot of guys in that lineup right now. Yeah. Um, a year ago, though, I would bet you that if we did, if we had done this a year ago, coming off of 2016, yeah. right. Odor would have been in everybody's top ten at second base. Yeah. You know. Although well, there's um, a lot
2: of good second basemen in baseball now. Uh,
1: my thing with the Rangers, when you bring up at Mazzara and you bring up the outfield, my thing is I look at the events of the last week and I look at Kansas City signing Lorenzo Cain. Um, which I still think is an overpay on a contract, uh, and trading for Kristen Yellich. Mil- Milwaukee signed him. That's, I, what you did I say? Kansas City. I'm sorry. Uh, Milwaukee signing him. Uh, and they put together a great defensive <laughs> outfield. And traded Lewis Brinson. Traded Louis Brinson. Yeah. Um, Who the Rangers Boston gave up in the McRoy trade. Boston has a tremendous defensive outfield. Yeah. Uh, the Angels have a good defensive outfield. The Rangers' outfield is not good defensively. Not good. And with this pitching staff, you're going to have to save them runs. Yeah. And I really uh, am concerned about how much of a liability the outfield is going to be. I do think Delano DeShields, we've talked about this at length, Delano DeShields has gotten better at route running. He's gotten better at reads. He doesn't have a great arm in center field. Not I, even a good arm. I do think that he has quickened up his release a little bit to get the ball back in a little bit earlier. But but people are going to challenge him. Sure. Um, whoever they play in left field, unless it's Joey Gallo, and if they play Joey Gallo in left field, I think they have made a mistake. Me too. Uh, I think Joey needs to play first base. I think he can be a Gold Glove caliber first baseman. Um, I, I think it's time for them. You know, and and the,
2: everybody in baseball wants to have flexible lineups. You know, and I look, I get that. I just think that everybody felt too don't much be flexible in love
1: with that. the 6-4, 250.
2: Yeah, here is a guy. That has phenomenal power, and your and he. This is your true hope of all the guys that you have brought up. This is the guy you're really hoping make
1: and makes he, it. And, and listen, if you need to move him to third base because Beltray's hurt, you can move him to third base. Yeah, I, but I, I'm not. I'm, I'm not moving him to the outfield where he's got to run around that
2: much. No, you know what? I tell you what, and I, and I agree with this. And that's the funny thing about it. Is he's probably their best
1: outfielder. He is. Joey, Joey's a really good. He's athlete. He's a great athlete. He's really, got a good
2: arm. Got a great arm, um, and and uh, and I think and he, and he and he shows really good instincts out there. You can tell when he and he catches the ball. That's to me the the whole. It's, it's very simple to tell a guy.
1: But here's the thing, Kevin. As an outfielder, yeah. as a left fielder, he can be a, 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 an above average left fielder. Yeah. As a first baseman, I think he can be Gold Glove caliber. Now,
2: what we said before, and this is true, is that when Joy played in the outfit, he said it was just so much easier. Right, and then, and then I'm sure even than playing first base is. But I think, as you said, he can give you upside there at first base, uh, be a Gold Glove caliber, and you know, fielder. Plus, he's six five. Look at the target. He's a huge target over there, and he. They should just leave him well, alone. Let him play first base, and let him just, uh, and just say, Joy. As far as we're concerned, you're going to be our first baseman for the next ten years.
1: Yeah. Evan, what would he tell you if you said, "What position would you prefer to play?" He told me it was in my story. He wants to play first okay. base. Yeah, right? yeah. I mean, he he's been preparing Evan, all. Not wonderfuls. all our
0: listeners have read your stories. I just want to go,
1: but you them, have, of course. Yeah, every word, right? Every, every word. letter. So that's it. That's
2: so. Let's say this. Let me ask you this question. Then. In let's say in three years, give me the Rangers'
1: infield. Um. Okay, I'll give you in three years, I'll give you the Rangers infield. You ready? It's the same one except for Beltre. Uh, it's the same one except for Beltre with the third baseman being Nolan Arenado. Nolan, Nolan Arenado! Arenado. How, how's that
0: happening? Free agency.
2: I tell you what, he's as good as they come. How old is he?
1: 26, I think. Is that all? Nolan Arenado?
2: What's his contract situation?
1: I think he's free after after 19.
2: Is he really? You know it's interesting to me what the Orioles are doing with Manny Machado now. They're going to make him a shortstop. I'm sure this is because of why that's what Manny wants to do. Uh,
1: Arenado turns 27 on April 19, April 16. And when is he? When's he free, free agent? agent? I believe he is a free agent after uh, 19. Let me double check. So it's they 29. have
2: they have signed a free agent third baseman before, and it worked out pretty well. Did it? Who would that be? And that would be Adrian Beltray. And I, but here's the thing I remember about that signing. Nobody made a big deal out of that. Right.
1: I'm sorry, he's a free agent uh, for 2000. Yeah, after 2019. Yeah. So it's 2020. Yeah. He's
2: going to cost a lot of money. Yes, he will. So we're talking about. He'll be the most expensive third baseman in baseball when that contract's seasons. over. Yeah. No, two more seasons no, 18 and 18, 19. 18, 19.
0: After 20, I think. No, no, no. He said after 19.
2: After 19. So, um, which also kind of dovetails with. Uh, Going into the new ballpark, and what I think is their their new timetable for when they expect to be competitive. Uh, at that point, of course, he will be twenty nine. Um, right and now, you got to ask yourself: you know, are you paying for? And well, you the have to ask yourself who else would want
0: him as well. Oh
2: sure, but here's the thing: I I haven't seen a third baseman in the system. no no,
0: but but here. No, but I'm asking, you know, the Yankees always want everybody. Right. Sure. The Dodgers will want – But
2: I'll say, th- I'll say this. I don't know why, you know, just Adrian, Adrian Beltray is a perfect example. I don't know what any kind of relationship with Nolan Arenado would have with Adrian Beltre. But he certainly wouldn't complain about having him come here. Oh, no.
0: And
1: you so, know, when Adrian Beltre came here, he was 32. Was he really that old? He's mm-hmm. a freak of nature. I remember
2: when that was. I remember thinking this was seemed pretty good to me, and everybody's reaction was like,
1: Uh, he just had a career year." Well, the 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 take on Beltre at that point in time, based on the fact that he had that monster year before free agency um, with Los Angeles, and that he had that monster year on that one year deal with Boston, was, "Oh, he's only good in contract years. He's right. Only good in contract years." Well. And, they uh-huh. let him, and the
2: Red Sox let him go so they could sign Adrian Gonzalez, who was a great player. There's no question about that. But do you think maybe they would rather have had Adrian Beltre all this time than uh, Adrian Gonzalez, who was long gone, and who now is just – did Adrian Gonzalez just retire? They just traded him. No, he, the,
1: he, uh, the Dodgers. Signed with the he signed Mets. with somebody. With the Mets. With the Mets. Yeah,
2: that's right. Yeah, That's not going to work out.
0: And he's very different in the clubhouse too, isn't he, Evans?
1: uh there's I, I and he's very different than adrian is in the clubhouse. there's some feeling that adrian gonzalez is something of a uh clubhouse lawyer really politician a little bit yeah i've never heard that before he's pretty good yeah you know he wasn't with the dodgers during the postseason
2: no i know that was interesting too yeah uh they you know the, the dodgers watching them in the, in the postseason and we were talking about that flexibility thing this is the craziest thing in the world. A guys playing on the outfield one inning, and then he's playing on the infield the next
1: yeah, inning. Yeah, but you you need one or two of those guys. You don't need seven of them. Well, I know that they got like seven of them. Right, and and that's and that's just so crazy. But none of them are running. six. No, none of those guys are six five and two hundred and forty pounds. No, they're not. They're and not. they're not forty home run masters.
2: They're not. And that's what they need to give Joey Gallo every possible avenue to succeed. I and make this as as simple as possible for him, and not say we want to make you into this. Flex flex a player, you know. We'll right. put you. We can put you in several different positions and things. Agreed. I don't care what Ronald Guzman looks like.
0: What? Oh, is a first baseman?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's right, Barry. Yeah, Ronald Guzman is a first Barry's baseman. Barry, you've been very quiet in this podcast. I have listened
0: and I have learned a lot. And when people talk, who I think know what they're talking about, I sit back. And and listen, and I thought it was a very interesting podcast.
1: You're speaking in the past tense as if it's over. This I, is just part one. This is part one.
2: Yeah, we're going. No. On, we're going to go on and on and on. No. no, no. I think
0: I think the genius of a podcast is to know when you're done. Yeah. Oh, I was done a long time ago. Before. Yeah, that's true. I thought it was very very. <laughs> Fascinating. What
1: are, what other podcasts did we have today? Well, we had a, a Cowboys podcast where we talked to Brandon George primarily about baseball players from Alabama. Yeah, that was um, interesting. Yeah, no, we okay. also talked to him about who the Cowboys will draft and their needs, Yeah. because and and he was at the Senior Bowl, he was. At, yeah, that's right.
0: Very good, Barry. Well, I'm just trying to.
1: Coax that the out, one of I mean. get people
0: to yeah. like, perhaps
1: and to then know. we um we talked to Chuck Carlton on the colleges about transferring and we heard it time. Chuck
2: through here didn't we
1: we did we had to we had to rush him in and rush him out you know why because Robert Wolonski had to come in and do a TV hit for Channel Five
2: and you know what Channel Five didn't even ask for that he just came in and wanted no, to sit down and do a TV
1: no let me tell you in. something I my second gig here is Robert's booking agent are you really he is in constant demand wow. So constant cool. constant and
2: that's it for us for this week in the podcast yeah next week we'll evan, be... will you be here next week i
1: will it'll be it, the last uh, podcast uh, before spring before i go off the spring training oh hopefully we'll have a big guest we'll see who we can come up big with. name ranger guest we'll see bigger than evan grant uh yeah much bigger wow that'd be huge wouldn't it that'd be nice okay
2: all right and
0: then we'll Definitely have a Cowboy podcast because
1: oh, that's we'll our – a post-Super Bowl podcast. Sure, post-Super Bowl. Yeah, we'll have a party. We'll hey, listen, in.
2: everybody. Before we go, everybody, give me your your pick on the game. What oh. you got, Evan?
1: When
0: did we do this in the Cowboy podcast? I don't know. We should have.
1: Um, I am going to pick the Eagles just to be contrarian. Oh, my gosh. What's the score? The score will be 27 to 23. All right. What do you got? I'll go 31-14.
2: Patriots. Yeah, I said twenty-seven, twenty-one Patriots. I cannot believe the line is only four and a half on this game. The the greatest quarterback in the history of the NFL going against a backup quarterback.
1: Yeah, but it's Tom versus Time.
2: Tom versus
0: who's the other time? Time, 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 time. versus
1: time. time. Yes, that was the, that's the documentary. No, no, it's it's not. It's not. It's I I I just.
0: I, you know what? I, do you expect? Do you expect him to look like Y A Tittle after uh, that yeah. Pittsburgh game, being on sitting on the well? The thing about field, Y A Tittle, blood coming out.
1: He was already bald at that point in time. He wasn't looking like that. Though. I bet you
0: though. I don't know. I bet you Brady's older now than Alan Tittle was then. might be, but too. he. But Maybe. Y
1: A looked old. That's
2: a good question. Maybe. And
1: and if you have a name like. You know, Tom Brady never sounds old. Y.A. Tittle just sounds like, you know, Sounded old. Marshall, old. Texas
0: is
2: Y.A. Tittle. Yeah,
1: Sounds old, he looked old, and then when you got blood coming down your face.
2: Just died last year, as a matter of fact.
1: Did, did, speaking of blood coming down your face, did either of you guys watch Saturday Night Live last week? I did. I, I, I saw you tweeted
2: and said it was the funniest thing you'd ever seen.
1: It was the funniest episode of Saturday Night Live in, like, the last 10 years. Will Ferrell was in every skit. I've never seen the host be in every
2: skit and he was really good he was really good as george
1: bush he was good as george bush he was he did uh he he did on weekend update he did his character jacob silge who has voice immodulation disease and so he speaks everything like this um was that necessary yes it was (laughs) uh he was great they were and so the opening monologue he did this whole thing he came out like with blood on his face as if he had hit a bar uh, in the back on the way out and kind of acted like concussed the whole time, not to make fun of CTE. But then at the end they rolled him off on a stretcher and uh, he was just babbling incoherently. And he says, you know, we got a great show. we got Chris Stapleton here. And then just out of the blue he says, Nelly Furtado. And, you know, I don't even care for Nelly Furtado that much. He wasn't there. But it's a funny name. You say Nelly Furtado and everybody laughs, right? Look, you play, you're Did you play third base? Okay, we got to go now. Um, you're thinking so of Nelly Fox. It was a great podcast. Um, and, Until just uh, then. Will Ferrell is awesome. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye, everybody.
0: Thanks for listening to the Rangers Ballsy Podcast.
1: Don't forget to subscribe
2: via iTunes. You'll get new episodes every week.
1: And follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, sports fans, see ya.